listening to Old, New, Borrowed, Blue on 2SER with your host, Joel Kassam. Hello and welcome to Old, New, Borrowed, Blue on 2SER 107.3. Joel Kassam is my name. I hope you're doing very well and thank you for joining me this week. If you're new to the show, this is where I invite a special guest into the studio and they take the musical reins by playing four of their favourite songs. Alright, let's find out who we've got this week. My guest today is absolutely brilliant. She's a stand-up comedian, creator and star of The Angus Project, writer on Tonightly with Tom Ballard, and who is possibly best known for playing the hilarious and well-meaning executive assistant and office manager, Courtney, on Utopia. It's Nina Oyama. Hello. How's it going? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Crow's Nest in the North Shore of Sydney. And you went to school there? Yeah, I went to school at North Sydney Girls, which was like a very, it was a selective school. It was very uh, prestigious. You had to do a test when you were 12 years old to get in there. Oh, really? So that means I'm really smart. Um, no, it doesn't. I actually like, uh, there's a lot of pressure being in a select school and I had a nervous breakdown in year 12 and I dropped out. So oh, I, I did not survive that experience. <laughs> uh, but you went on after to study, right? You, you studied after school. Yeah. Uh, I went on to study at Charles Sturt University in Bathurst. Why Bathurst? Um, because, uh, it's kind of like a country escape. It's kind of like this awesome town where, the, like, the university has taken over the town and, like, kids, like, 18 to 25-year-olds just do whatever the hell they want. There's no parents. Uh, there's a lot of parties, a lot of drinking, a lot of unregulated um, hedonism. <laughs> and it's kind of, when you go there for the first time, it's, it's like the best. Whereas with Sydney, it's like you kind of have to catch a train for two hours to get anywhere and you don't have that in Bathurst. You just kind of have a community of party animals. Right. And how long did you stay there for? Um, I stayed there for three years. So I did a degree. I didn't just go there to like <laughs> take a bunch of pingers. Um, no, I, I studied. I studied theatre and media um, at Charles Sturt University. So, and I now have a degree in theatre and media. Congratulations. So when did you get into comedy then? I got into comedy in high school, um, so pretty much as I was having a nervous breakdown at school, I was also going to a bunch of comedy nights and just starting stand-up comedy um, when I was 17. Um, and then, yeah, when I left school, a lot of comedians used to joke that I dropped out of school to pursue a career in comedy, which was not true, um, but then also somehow ended up being a bit true because I'm still in the comedy game today. So yeah, you are. Pretty cool. Did you have, like, people you looked up to at that time? Were you influenced by any other comedians or...? Oh, yeah. Well, I just, like, I looked up to so many people that now I'm like, wow. Like, because I'm a woke bae, um, (laughs) because I'm more socially aware, uh, a lot of people that I looked up to uh, at the time I'm kind of a bit more critical of now... um, like, really like Jim Jeffries and Opie and Anthony, which is like this quite uh, misogynist comedy show. Um, and like Louis C.K., a lot of problematic faves that I'm listing here. But, um, yeah, I was inspired by all those angry white men uh, because they made me feel validated with my angry existence, despite the fact I'm not white or a man, <laughs> which is weird. But, yeah, I just wanted to be like them. Uh, you also wrote on uh, You're Skidding Me, right? That's so weird. No one's brought that up in ages. Uh, I started writing on You're Skidding Me when I was 19, so I uh, 
was completing year 12 somewhere else uh, at a like TAFE college and I did a comedy night uh, for Dan Illick who wrote for Hungry Beast and um, Can of Worms is pretty awesome and he put me on a podcast and somehow from that podcast people watched my stand-up bit there and they thought I would be good to write for a kids show. Um, and then I did <laughs> write for the kids' show, which was really fun. Yeah, it was an en- enjoyable experience. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. We, I mean, it was like my first introduction to the world of freelance writing, which is like you sit in your bed uh, eating M&Ms <laughs> and with your laptop burning your legs and you just smash out some scripts. And I think that was, that was a pretty good experience. Like writing isn't just uh, sitting in a room with a bunch of people collaborating and doing that stuff. A lot of the time it's just by yourself and you get paid to do it, and then you feel like a fraud because you're like, this is really fun. <laughs> uh, we have to start the show with your old song now. Fantastic. What have you gone with? Uh, I have gone with Pink Glove by a band called Pulp. Um, it's from Pulp's first album, His and Hers. Um, and it is this is my favourite song of all time ever. Uh, should we listen to it first and then I'll tell you a bit about Absolutely, it? Absolutely, we can do that. Okay, great. This is uh, Pulp with Pink Love. Please enjoy. Uh, that'll be Pulp there with Pink Glove off their album, His and Hers. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Old New Borrow Blue with Nina Oyama. Hey, did you like my song, Joel Kasim? Yes, I did very much. Thank you. <laughs> that was a good choice. Why did you pick it? Uh, I picked it because it's my favourite song. Uh, it's old because it's from the 90s, I believe. Uh, and Pulp is like my favourite band. Um, they're like a Britpop band. Like for context, they kind of came up with Oasis and Blur. Uh, they're like of that ilk. Um, and yeah, I don't know. this That song like it's to me is really happy and it's like it's a disco pop beat um but it's also really sad and the reason i like that album his and hers which is the album that's from um is because all the songs are like they're quite like upbeat and they sound happy but they're quite like spiteful and bizarre um and i think to me like because you if you listen to the album as a whole it's kind of like about Jarvis, or to me, Jarvis Cocker, who's the lead singer, is like the kind of main guy in all these stories. And he's just kind of like, um, he's just trying to kind of have sex with everybody, <laughs> or he is having sex with everybody, but he's angry that like no one loves him. Um, and if this particular song, Pink Glove, to me, as I've interpreted it, it's kind of about him, uh, really liking this girl that he's sleeping with, but her partner, makes her wear pink latex um, when they sleep together. It's, if you listen to the lyrics, you'll hear it. Um, and also, like, just the general melody is really fantastic. Um, but, yeah, just it's got this weird spiteful thing about, like, not being the person picked to be loved, um, which I think is really sad. Um, and But also, I don't know, I, th- I think it's really heartbreaking. But then you have this amazing disco beat yeah. going behind it, which is, like, really uplifting. And um, then, like, the specificity of, like, being called Pink Glove and being about, like, a girl having to wear latex is really weird. And I don't know. I just thought that that's a funny detail. But if you listen to the whole album, it's pretty much just, like, it's Spite Central covered in this, like, sugary pop. And uh, I'm all about that contrast, I think. Anyway. 
That was a great choice. Well Thank done. you. <laughs> um, so last year you popped up on Utopia as part of the main cast. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I <laughs> I have done a lot of like stand-up comedy and comedy stuff over like the last like couple of years, um, and I think that I was seen by someone who knew the people at Utopia, and they just invited me to. Um, work with them and they really hedged their bets on that one um but yeah when I started working there I was actually like really poor and um I lived in a sh- I meant to move down from Sydney to Melbourne and I lived in a shed for a hundred dollars a week and I got all my uh furniture sourced from the streets like surrounding uh Brunswick West, I think the suburb was called. It's quite like a shabby suburb. Not shabby. It's like a hipster suburb, like gorilla knitting, soy latte, that kind of, that kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, basically I just, there's furniture like just strewn on the streets, like a uh, apocalyptic Ikea kind of vibe. <laughs> so I just took a bunch of stuff into my, uh, new shed, uh, not new shed, into my shed that I just moved into, including a mattress. And I told people at Utopia, all of who are well off comedians, very established <laughs> that have high paying comedy jobs. And, um, they looked at me like I was an insane person and then, Kitty Flanagan like whipped out her phone. I thought I was going to get fired and she just, she like got up a bed website and she was like, you need to not have a mattress from the street. And she bought me a bed. <laughs> and anyway, that was a kind of really <laughs> terrifying moment because I thought everyone was going to be like, we have to get this like, you know, nasty rat girl out of our show. And um, then they just did a nice thing. And yeah. That was kind of that was my introduction to all those famous comedians <laughs> that were kind of my idols. And yeah, what was it like working with like the Working Dog cast or oh, people? And it was so cool. They taught me so much because I'd done a few kind of like ads here and there and like just small ca- on camera roles, but I'd never done something to that extent. And so they were really nurturing. And like I remember when we had to do like cast photos, I had a panic attack and they were really nice because I was crying <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that they were just really good. And they're also really funny dudes and they would just make jokes on set and they've been working together since the castle. So mm. they completely know what they're doing and they know the ins and outs of each other. Like they could just look at each other and you know that they're like an entire conversation just happened. Um, and like I couldn't interpret it, but like the camera people knew exactly what shot to take. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, love working with them. How did you uh, find playing the character, your character, Courtney? Um, pretty. Uh, it was really fun. I'd never really played a character before, but um, when I met Rob, who Rob Sitch, who created the show, because I was like, oh, I have to like fully get into my role, and apparently I heard from. Uh, the casting agent that it was like uh, she loves social media and Snapchat, so I like got every social media. Like I started making Instagram stories and I like started Snapchatting people and like started using like Facebook more because I was like I got to get into this role. Um, and then when I got there, it was kind of like, yeah, I didn't have to do any of those <laughs> things. I just kind of had to be very like kind of clueless, well-meaning, but yeah, essentially just Rob told me, he's like, don't worry about doing that stuff. Just read the words on the page as if it's you and with like good intentions behind them. And so I did. And I think it worked. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was brilliant. Like it's, it's one of my favorite shows. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. 
Yes. We That's can. so great to hear. <laughs> um, okay, we have to play your new song now. Oh, fantastic. My new song is Super Organism. Uh, that's the band's name, and the song is called Everybody Wants to Be Famous. You want to talk about why you picked this after the song again? Yes, that would be perfect. But it was released this year. That's why it's new. Okay. I'm ready to Except, of course, for me, that was Everybody Wants to Be Famous by Super Organism. My guest today is Nina Oyama. Why did you pick that song? Um, ah, oh, I just love it. It came out this year, and I really like this band because they have a lot of interesting sounds. And like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's just a lot of weird, like, shaking, a lot of clicking, a lot of um, kind of what I would describe as foley, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they integrate it into what is just really fun pop music. And I also um, I was looking at like they're a really new band. Like they started last year, and they had a track called Something for Your Mind, which is like it's on high rotation in. Uh, various other sta- like various stations, maybe this one. I'm not sure, um, but that they released that and it became part of the FIFA soundtrack. So they blew up super quickly, uh, and the way they formed is really interesting. Like they started off as an indie band, and then this like 16 year old Japanese American girl came to one of their gigs and was like, "Hey, can you um, I have some songs. I really like your band. Do you want to work with me?" So they became this like kind of super group uh, of like young people and established this established band called the Eversons, and they make. Now they just make really awesome pop music, which I just love. That's so interesting. Um, let's talk about the Angus Project. Yes, I love talking about the Angus Project. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I do. I, yeah? I, yeah, I love working on it. Okay, can you tell people it. who don't know what it's about? Okay, the Angus Project is a web series uh, about a bo- boy with cerebral palsy. Uh, he's about 21 years old, um, and he fires his conservative church carer to hire and tries to hire his best friend to be his carer so he can party and get drunk all the time. Uh, and I play the carer and my best friend Angus plays the titular character of Angus. Um, and yeah, basically me and Angus were best friends in uni. Angus actually does have cerebral palsy and I actually was his carer and we actually in real life did go to a lot of parties together. Um, and do a lot of, Things that you do at parties, um, listen to music, listen to music, blow up balloons, yeah, and stuff like, like that. pray to pray to God, um, <laughs> face paint, you know, classic part. No, we got loose, we got lit. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Is yeah, and so we kind of were like, well, there's literally no disability representation that we can see on TV, um, and we wrote a show. Well, I wrote a show, and then I, he helped me write it, and then we. Yeah, pitch it to ABC, and they gave us a little bit of money to make it. And then we did, and now the ABC want us to do a pilot, which is f- cool. Yeah. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. There, it, there's only three episodes, right? Yeah, there's only three episodes of the web series. They go for about six minutes each. Wow, and then they want to do a pilot. It's amazing. Yeah, now they want to do a pilot. Um, it was us and four other people that have pilots commissioned. Um, and from those four, they'll pick one that goes to full series. So, fingers crossed. Um, when, and when does all this happen? Uh, the pilot airs in October, so it's not happening for a while. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll find out this, the series thing as well in October, which is really exciting. But at the moment, we're just in development, which means, like, we're writing, we're, like, fleshing out characters, we're, like, um, yeah, just making all the tough decisions and really laying the foundation for a good show and a good series. Uh, if we get it, which we hope we do. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit m- uh, more about Angus, though. So you guys met and 
you were his carer, you said. Yeah, well, uh, me and Angus, we met at a party and he was like just smoking cigarettes indoors, firstly, which I'm just like, what? No one does that. And he's just like, had a carer giving him cigarettes inside a house, which I was like, that's already a rule broken. And he was drinking and I'd like turned to my housemate and I was like, is that kind of wheelchair like smoking durries inside? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's Angus. And she's like, if Angus comes up to you, just tell him to shut up. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, I forgot about it and like was wasted at some point in the night. And I saw Angus and I just pointed at him and I was like, shut up, Angus. <laughs> and then Angus was like, no, you shut up. And I was like, no, d- shut up, Angus. And then <laughs> somehow we became friends, but we don't really remember because... Listen, it was at uni. It's okay. It wasn't like it was at the appropriate time. Like it wasn't. It's just yeah. It's, anyway, if you can't handle that serious truth bomb, then you can deal with it in any other way. But yeah, and pretty much from there, we became good friends. And then at some point, halfway through the year, he was like, "Do you want to be my like legal carer?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> like sure." No background in caring, though. This is just literally no background in being a carer. But it's not like Angus is really smart, um, and he doesn't have to like. I don't have to shower him. I just basically like give him food and brush his teeth, and it's kind of just like, you know, it's it's like a lot of people I think assume that he like requires like as quite a high level of care because that's what people that don't know what cerebral palsy is like. They make like they have a preconceived notion of what it is and they think it might like impair his like mental state or whatever but actually he's like he's like totally fine he just needs a wheelchair like yeah. i don't know um no oh basically like the way angus has become so like crazily independent is because like his entire life he's lived in bathurst and always his uh carers have been university students that's just a trend um and so pretty much like he used to have someone that needed to shower him and like do stuff in the toilet or that stuff and um just over time like they sometimes they just didn't show up or they were hung over or they couldn't be bothered to help him and so he was like well screw you guys I'm just gonna have a shower by myself or I'm just gonna like get dressed myself and then after just because his carers were so lazy and shitty he became like vastly independent and then you know graduated from taking showers by himself to like you know taking mushroom caps like i don't know <laughs> that's what you do right you learn to walk you learn to shower and then you learn to, <laughs> to take drugs i'm sorry talking about drugs so much i don't actually do them anymore <laughs> but it was a period of time in everyone's life that yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning in you're listening to old you borrow blue on 2 scr and my guest today is nina oyama she's picking the songs for us and it's time for you to play your borrowed song what have you gone with uh, I have gone with a song called Everest by Public Service Broadcasting. Uh, it's borrowed because Public Service Broadcasting basically remixes BBC radio uh, announcements from the 50s and 60s, maybe the 70s and the 80s. I don't know, just old BBC radio announcements. Um, so firstly, that's really awesome. But what they do is they do it by theme. So their very first album called Public Service Broadcasting um, focuses, like they'll get all the uh, the fashion, like what's the word? They'll have a radio broadcast because before TVs like were a thing you had to listen to a person talk about a fashion show so they'd be like oh yes so and so is wearing like a short cut skirt and a high waisted dress or whatever uh, and so all the remixes are of BBC broadcasts that 
are describing uh, things that would otherwise be visually represented in TV. So it was before TV was a thing. Um, so the one that I'm doing um, was for Mount Everest and the song's called Everest and it has this, it's uh, music, like awesome live music done over the very first time someone climbed Everest, Mount Everest. And it's really cool. Once there was a mountain called Peak 15. Why should a man climb Everest? Because it is there. That would be the very educational Everest by public service broadcasting. <laughs> Good choice, Nina. Thank you. I love public service broadcasting. Um, and as you said, Joel, they're very educational. Um, and I, f- I just feel like I learn a lot. And I also love like those old kind of uh, like comfy British accent. Like I, mean, yeah. I can't do it. I'm not an impressionist. But <laughs> I, I love that. I love that they all had to talk in a certain way. And, like, yeah. Very interesting. It's actually, I don't know, when I first heard that song, I thought it was a little bit creepy. Really? I think that old school talking is a little bit creepy, especially, yeah. like, I don't know, that's just how I found it. It is. It's quite, it's ghostly. Because, yeah. And you never hear it, especially in Australia, You, I don't think you ever hear it. It is always very, like, the war is coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Winston Churchill making an announcement. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I really like it. And that entire album... Um, is the first album is called Inform, Educate, Entertain, which is like the public uh, broadcaster's motto. Like that's the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. That's their motto as well as Inform, Educate, Entertain. Uh, and that entire album is just like fantastic. It's just like different facets of like they have one that's about the night mail where someone just reads out all the mail that's, right. yeah, f- ha- that's come across like the different borders of... England. I don't know. I'm just like obsessed with it. But then their second album um, is all about the space race. So Everest is in the first one. It's kind of like, it's all like Everest. So they have like one that's, the second album has stuff that's about like Yuri Gagarin and like the very first rocket. And I don't know. I, I just really like that themed. I just, I, I'm a big nerd and I, I love um the Cold War. And I, I don't know why I'm just obsessed with the Cold War because I think it's like a real big turning point for society. Um, the Cold War is like 19, the Cold War period, like I define it as like 1945 to like 1989 when, so beginning, the end of the Second World War to the beginning of when, to, for, to when, sorry, the end of the Second World War to when the Berlin Wall fell. That's kind of, to me, the Cold War period. Um, and I just think like so much amazing art was created during that time. And the space race is really interesting and the arms race. And like, yeah, I just am obsessed with it because I think everyone was like, oh my God, we're going to die by a big bomb. And like, we better like start doing stuff because otherwise the bomb will take us. I don't know. <laughs> There's just a lot of really great art and really great music. Um, and really great technology that came out of that time that still exists today that I'm very passionate about because <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> so upsetting. I'm so sorry. Don't be. Uh, you mentioned the ABC before. Now you're currently working there, working on Tonightly. How are yes. you finding that? Uh, oh, I love it. It is quite stressful, but it is also like the most ultimately rewarding and like, oh man, because it, we do make a daily show at the end of the day, um, it is like... You wake up, you make an entire show, and then you go home and you're like, oh, man. And then you watch the show and then you're like, oh, man. <laughs> like, that we did that? Oh, man, that's awesome. Like, it's so cool. 
And it's just as amazing to be part of the process. And there is like, because you do have a time limit, because the show has to go out that evening, there's like this awesome, like rush of adrenaline. And I think it's quite challenging when you are writing jokes. It's like every day you have to be creative. And I think like when you're a freelancer or, you know, when you're the kind of creative that writes, but can make their own time. Like I know a lot of writers that like wake up. I don't know if they wake up really late and then at 4 a.m. they just like sit on the computers typing away furiously. Like you can't do that. You just have to like force yourself into a zone where you are making jokes. And not only are you making jokes, you're making topical jokes that have to do with news cycle. Um, so I just think it's like, it's, it's really incredible to be a part of such an amazing team. I also think Tom Ballard is a genius. Um, and if you don't think Tom Ballard is a genius, you are so wrong. Because <laughs> a lot of people are like, what's with that Tom Ballard guy? I'm like, don't you dare talk shit about like my fave boy Tom Ballard. He's, he's a genius. Like if you ever got in the writer's room with him, he's like, oh, he's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Tom Ballard. Do you? How do you find writing for someone else? You're not writing for yourself. Is that um, a challenge? Oh, yeah. It definitely is a challenge. Um, it w- was a challenge at first because, like, most of my writing had been for my own stand-up. Yeah. And none of that is necessarily political. It's mostly just anecdotes from my life. Um, so, yeah. And when you're writing, like, political comedy, you do have to find the voice of the person that's presenting it. But I think over time, I meant we've been working on this since October. Um, I think like now we know how Tom presents stuff and what he does and how he reacts to things. And yeah, I think it's, it's really fun to write in the voice of somewhere else because it, yeah, I guess it just makes you get inside the, like the challenge of basically it's writing a character. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Did you also write a play once? I did. I've written a few plays. Yeah. I re- what did you look at? I'm so interested, Joel. I'm like, <laughs> does it my LinkedIn? Like, I don't know. I don't think my LinkedIn has plays on it. I don't know. I uh, work hard. Okay. Yeah. Just you must I don't have, look like I do. Like, researched into the depths <laughs> of the internet. I have no idea. This is like, uh, did you hack my Facebook data? Like, That's I don't. It, yeah. <laughs> is that what you did? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I did. I wrote a play called The Glass System. Uh, and it basically was about five people that were trying to fight a nuclear war um, and all twists and turns happen and they, they blow up the earth. Um, but throughout that play, there's all these like small sketches of people's snapshots of their life. Um, and so when they blow up the earth, like the five main people, you just get really sad for the, the five people that you just saw be very human. <laughs> um, or at least I hope that's what happened. I don't know. That was the intention. I don't think anyone saw the play, but it, it won a small award. So... That's good. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's, it wasn't on my MDB, so I don't know. <laughs> pretty, like, I thought I was pretty cool when I wrote it. I don't know. If I read the script now, I'd probably be like, oh, God. <laughs> Student theatre. Oh, God. <laughs> like, anyway. Yeah. Nina Alman, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for um, having me. People can obviously hear your jokes on Tonightly and occasionally see you pop up. Yeah, I did stand up on Tonightly and I have a Facebook page which I'm reticent to plug, but I will. <laughs> I hate self-promoting because it's like... No, plug away. Yeah, okay, it's Facebook. Just look up Nina Oyama. Yeah, look, look me up on Instagram or on Facebook. I don't like self-promoting, but at the same time, I'm very like aware that it's something that I need to do in order to retain a career in doing media stuff. Um, but yeah, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And any shows coming up? 
any shows for me coming up? No, but tune into the Angus Project when it happens. Watch it on iView. That is currently my focus. And also watch Tonightly because occasionally, because I do a lot of writing for it, A, and B, occasionally I do lots of weird things on screen. Like last week I played a actress who was also a rhino that was getting... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It doesn't never make sense. One time I played, like, a girl called Kevin who, like, just kept licking these, like, fake dentist teeth. I don't know, man. Tonightly is wild. It's a wild time, but it's definitely, it's made by, like, a lot of really great minds put together. So, you should watch it. Uh, great. Uh, take us out with your blue song, please, Nina. I've gone with The Ruminators, The Devil ate my brother, chewed him up, and spat him out. Um, this song is probably one of my favorite Ruminators songs. It's from their first album, which is called I Hate the Ruminators, um, which is really cool because their second album was called I Used to Hate the Ruminators, and now I love them. So I think this is around with like a really, really good sense of humor and really great like musical integrity. Um, not only that, though, is that this song is quite serious and it's really bluesy, um, which is also why I think it's... Uh, uh, suitable for the blue character category. Um, but yeah, the other reason I like this song is because it reminds me of a Coen Brothers film. Like, I just kind of, when you listen to it, I just kind of see, like, you know, like the countryside, like in America, like a desert and just like a cowboy riding into the sunset or like just something like really, you know, just like the, the very end of a movie where the camera just pans up and it's like, wow, we just saw something like really profound. I don't know. But at the same song, at the same time, this song's like, it's really fun and it's really bluesy and it's not, it's not like their other stuff as well. Um, which is more kind of rock and roll, a bit trippy at the moment. Um, but I think those guys are amazing. I think they have a great sense of humor and a great sense of musicality. This song is a bluesy song. It's called the devil ate my brother, chewed him up and spat him out. Very short title. Thank you very much, Nina.